Book One, Chapter Eight of the Sworn Brothers: A Tale of the Early Days of Iceland, by Gunnar Gunnarsson, translation by Claude Field and W. M. A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. One morning, shortly after Ingolf had offered Leif blood brotherhood, they went to their fathers to tell them, and ask their permission for the ceremony to take place at the feast at Gollum the first day of summer. Leif found his father in bed. When he had spoken, Radmar praised his luck in strong language, added that he had always had better fortune than he deserved further remarked that on the rare occasions that he caused his father joy it was always without any merit of his own and bade him go his way and leave him rodmar to his beer orne was sitting in the high seat slaking his morning thirst when ingolf came before him and asked permission to speak orne granted it with a nod of his white-haired head the slightly absent look did not disappear from his face he listened without moving to what his son had to say. When Ingolf had spoken, Orne remained sitting silent. Ingolf was not sure whether he had heard what he had said or not. It was easy to see that he was in deep reflection. Ingolf remained standing for a time, waiting for an answer. When he saw that it was in vain, and that his father had probably forgotten that he stood there, he silently departed. Orne did not touch his drinking horn again that day. He busied himself with his thoughts, and was taciturn. Long before his usual time he sought his couch. Early next morning he summoned Ingolf curtly, and bade him follow him. He led him to an outhouse where the tools of the house were kept, and bolted the door carefully. Then he took his seat on a chopping block in the middle of the floor, and sat silent. Ingolf stood before him, awaiting what he had to say, and carefully restraining his impatience. "'Sit down,' said Orne at last, thoughtfully. Ingolf sat down on some lumber which had been piled up against the main wall. So they remained sitting a considerable time. Orne was long in commencing. "'You have told me,' he began at last, speaking very slowly and with constant pauses, that you intend to enter into blood brotherhood with your cousin, Leif. I must presume that you are acquainted with duties of blood brotherhood, and have carefully considered the matter, and also that you have not let yourself be surprised into taking rash vows, or have followed your feelings alone without consulting your understanding." I will not disguise from you that I could have wished a better brother for you in this, and I leave it to your discretion whether the circle of your brotherhood should not be extended so as also to include Atle Jarl's sons. On many grounds I have been led to understand that these young men, especially Hostin, would not be unwilling to exchange the bond of friendship for that of brotherhood. It needs but a word on your part, perhaps only a hint. My opinion is that you would stand stronger alone than with Leif as your sworn brother. You ought to be intelligent enough yourself to perceive that. But the three would balance Leif, and more than that. You would stand stronger afterwards, especially if another tie, subsequently, should unite us to Atli's sons. 
which I do not regard as impossible. For the rest, Leif is certainly our kinsman. We should therefore look after him. And perhaps he is best bound in that way. I do not wish to say more about the matter. Orne was silent for a long time. Presently he resumed, I feel I am growing old. The days depart and do not return to me. They seem, as it were, to go a very little way, and there is nothing to hold fast to in them. They slip through my hands. He coughed, reflected, and began again. Therefore I have considered that perhaps it would be best if I were to make over to you our property to manage. It will be good for you to be early accustomed to command people and to bear responsibility. And you are certainly a child no longer. I will therefore gladly see, before I die, how you prosper when you manage by yourself. For the rest I leave matters without anxiety to you, and I shall be at hand, and can be useful. I will also advise Rodmar to do the same for Leif. Your task will certainly be increased by that, for you will have to look after your kinsmen at any rate at first. But since you wish to enter into brotherhood with him, you must bear the consequences. There is no more to be said about it at present. We must have time to prepare the matter, and can return to it later. There is also another thing I wish to speak to you about today. Orne was silent and reflected. Then he commenced again hesitatingly, not without a certain embarrassment. I often heard in her time your mother speaking with you. It is now long since, and you were little at the time. Probably you have forgotten some of what she said. But I have noticed that you have remembered part of it. Perhaps you remember every word. I have never spoken to you of your mother. You have never given occasion for it and one should not talk too much. When one talks too much, words easily become mere wind. Therefore, I have never hitherto spoken with you about something, of which, however, I wish to speak with you, not because I believe it necessary, perhaps you are already as clear on the matter as myself, but because I want you to remember that I have spoken to you. The fact that I cannot well postpone it has also determined me to speak now. You know that Odin and Thor are especially my gods. They have been the gods of our family as far back as tradition goes, and I want you, like your forefathers, to hold them especially in honor. If you do that, it will go well with you, for wisdom and strength are the two things a man must have. If he has them, he has honor too, in Valhalla as well as here upon earth. Goods and gold, power over men, and great possessions are good things, which you should strive to acquire, and hold fast when you have them. But all those things can, in case of need, be dispensed with. Honor is the one indispensable thing, because, after all, it is the only thing that uplifts a man, and the only thing that survives him on earth when he is dead and done with. And because honor can be lost during a man's lifetime, a dead man with honor preserved 
is happier than the man who is still alive, and whose honor is exposed to peril. It is not necessary to impress upon you anything else than that. When your honor is concerned, you must be prepared to stake your life. The memory of a man outlives him, and honor casts a glory over a man's memory, just as dishonor casts a shadow. No man in our family has a shadow on his memory. This is the most important thing which I wish to say to you. But if you have the patience to hear me, I have something more to say, and that is this. You shall respect your land's law and justice, for as long as you have not renounced its law, you are bound by it, and dishonor yourself by breaking it. You shall not stir up unnecessary quarrels, but avoid disunion and strife, as long as your honor is not injured. Peace in the land produces fruitful fields, but if you have a lawful vengeance to inflict, do so with a heavy hand, as behooves one born to such a place as yours. But be always ready for reconciliation when it is offered sincerely. An honorable reconciliation is preferable to a victory which may carry in it the seed of future defeat. And never break a treaty, for only a wretch ignores his vows. Only a traitor breaks his word. A brave man is prepared to support his least word with his life. Thereby the high-born are recognized. The churl, on the other hand, regards his word as nothing more than the breath of his mouth. His tongue shall be eaten of snakes, and his evil memory will ride his soul like a nightmare forever. Orne had become excited. Then he was silent, composed himself again, meditated, and was still. When he had finished meditating, he rose solemnly and drew from his arm a heavy gold bracelet graven with runes and signs. Ingolf sprang up when his father rose and remained standing before him with bowed head, and his bright face slightly flushed. Orne spoke, "'This bracelet has for a long time belonged to our race and has always been an heirloom in the head branch of the family.' Some of those who bore it have worn it till their death. Others have transferred it to the future wearer when they found that their time was near. My son, I am growing old, and it is no use to deny it or to hide it. Forgetfulness is getting more and more the mastery over me. Reach me your hand. Ingolf stretched out his right hand and raised his head. There was a moist glimmer in his eyes. Deeply moved, Orne drew the bracelet on his arm. Now you wear the ring. Ingolf fell on his knees before the old man, and Orne made the sign of the hammer over his head, and said quietly, Odin give you wisdom, and Thor strength. Frey make your land fruitful, and Niord guide your seafaring. All the bright aises help thee. Rise, my son. Ingolf rose silently. Orne laid his hands on his shoulders, looked for a moment closely at him, and let him go. 
they went out into the courtyard of the house. For a while they stood there silent, side by side, and looked out over the landscape where the snow-covered mountains rose and the valleys sank. Ingolf saw everything, as it were, with new eyes. The fjord was such a crystal blue, and seemed to have something to say to him. The dark edge of the wood, which he caught a glimpse of here and there, held to-day a secret and certain promise of the spring and the snow-free earth. The sky was high and clear, and the day had a solemn stillness about it. The frost in the air seemed to be relaxing. In Ingolf's eyes the whole scene wore a solemn aspect, and seemed in a way new-born. Even the low houses with snow-covered roofs seemed to have altered their appearance, and looked twice as homelike. When Orin went in, Ingolf remained standing there, and enjoyed the freshness of the day. Orn went straight in to the high seat and his drinking horn. His throat had become dry from much talk. He emptied the horn in a moment, and had it filled afresh. He emptied the horn many times that day. End of Book One, Chapter Eight